0: This is your host, Darren Hood. Thanks, everybody, for joining me on today, whatever day or evening you happen to be listening to the show at this time. Uh, welcome also to those of you who are listening. For the first time, we're always humbled and we're always excited and happy that someone has taken time out of their schedule to join us on the podcast. We are currently in a QA and a session. We are... Uh, entertaining some questions. I solicited some questions from people in these global social media community, asking them, Hey, what would you like me to talk about on the show? What would you like me to address? And I I received a few questions and I have, it turned out that they are so um, they're far more complex when I really began to dive into things and, And to strategize about how I wanted to address everything to the extent that I've been just handling one question each episode. And we're even going to go a step further with this, as mentioned last week. And I'm hoping that we can start this off next week. I I did a talk recently for a group called the Students of UXD. Shout out to the folks at Students of UXD. And I did a talk for them about issues associated with education in UX and we was it really went well. The session was fantastic, and but we did not have time to address some of the questions that came forth during the the session. So uh, that said, I decided, uh, thought it'd be a good idea, and and I mentioned it to the people on the team uh, that hey, why don't we take an episode on my podcast and just talk about these things? Why don't we take some time? to address some of the questions that we did not get to talk about during the actual event. And everybody loved the idea. So, uh, we are hoping to next week, if all goes well, we will start, um, entertaining and, and answering, addressing questions that we did not get to address during the event. Uh, if not, then hopefully we're just no more than a week out, if that be the case. Uh, but we've got other questions that we can address anyway. Uh, but, but just thankful for this time. It's it sometimes is good to just, Instead of talking about a set group of topics, let's just talk about what people have on their mind. It, it, it's, we always have a heightened sense of relevance. We always know and understand that. Uh, but I'm just happy to be able to address the things that people are submitting. So uh, a thank you. I'm, I purposely have not been mentioning the names of those who've been submitting these questions, uh, but they know who they are. Thank you very much for for your contribution. Thank you for helping to put something on my radar, giving me something to focus on and to talk about. And so, that said, let us go ahead and dive in. And these sections, these sessions, are a tad bit more extended than what we normally shoot for time-wise. Uh, so, just want to make sure that people understand that this is. Uh, it might be. It might go three, four, five minutes longer. It may. Uh, it depends. And. My goodness, do we have a list of things to to cover with this question on today. But here we go. Here's the question. Darren, if you could implement one single thing to combat some of the dilution that we've had within the UX market over the years, what would that be? What do you think that we could do? Of course, this is hypothetical. Uh, but it, it, it really is, is going to lend itself to, or it has lent itself to, some really good uh, constructive um, um, brainstorming, if you will. It's a question that people do think about from time to time. And a lot of people are not aware of the detracting things that are happening in UX. Frankly, a lot of people just don't even care, uh, which is a problem. Uh, that, that's a folks shouldn't know that that is a problem automatically if somebody doesn't know that there's a lot of bad things happening in UX if you're just getting into UX you're not going to know we're, we're not shaming people for that but there are people who've been around they either, they don't care they won't say anything I have said this before so I might as well say it again a lot of the people are cowards and yeah, I am calling them out because that, that's really sad because When you're a coward, you just, you see something, but you just go back and go into your little cubbyhole and you just let things happen. I can't. I know a lot of other people that just can't. We just can't sit back and watch things happening because it is extremely problematic for all of us. So that's why I tend to take a stand for it. It's not to make a name for myself. Uh, I'm actually shy. I told people that before and they laugh at me. I am. I'm, I'm actually shy. But one thing that changes it when there's something that needs to be done, I forget all about the fact that I'd rather not be seen and I'd rather not be heard. And and I will run to the forefront and take care of business. So that's what we're doing. We're, we're just, uh, I've got the vehicle to address these things. I've got the ability. I've got the acumen. I've got the skill, I've got the knowledge, I've got the perspectives, and so I'm going to step out there and I'm and I'm going to do it. Uh the, the funny thing is a lot of people who are quiet are the same people that are critical of me doing this. So how about this? How about you folks just go you're already quiet. Don't get vocal when it comes to me. Just go sit over there in your little cubby hole where you are. <laughs> and leave me be. Not like I'm going to pay attention to you anyway, but we're just taking a moment to call out the hypocrisy of that, that you don't want to say anything on your own, but then you want to criticize me for saying something. So, no, doesn't move me at all, not not a bit, and I will call you out like I call everything else out. So, how about that? So, what one thing, and, and I actually purposely have delayed responding to that because i want people that are listening right now give that some thought what what, what's on your mind what would you do to combat some of the dilution that we've had in ux over the years the the bad education the people making statements about ux professing these things to be eye-opening professing these things to be helpful and new and and revolutionary and they're nothing. There, there's a lot of things that are going on in the UX world that are creating so many problems for us. You know, which, which makes it, in a sense, a very difficult question. That's why we we have to point out it's hypothetical. Uh, we can't just do one thing, but it's still good, I think, to to entertain and address this question. You could have you could have discussion, group discussions about this, just to stir people up. And if for nothing else, to help people understand, we are under siege. There is an issue that needs to be addressed. I was really thankful uh, just recently to actually have the privilege—I didn't even know it was going happen, to happen—to share the stage with the UX pioneer, Alan Cooper, and and he was talking about these same things. People want me to be quiet. Well, I guess you want Alan Cooper to be quiet too, huh? Uh, so no, he was he was addressing the same things that we're addressing right now. And I told him, Mr. Cooper, we are going to keep on fighting. We are going to keep on going forward. We're going to te- keep taking the stand. We're going to keep making people aware. We're going to keep prescribing solutions to resolve these issues that we're dealing with. And he was all smiles. He was he was enjoying it. So uh, I'm happy to have had that moment. And it really, it invigorated me. It invigorated me. So uh, just thought I'd share that, though. So again, this is a difficult question. We're done with giving you some time to sort through this on your own before I give you my response to the question. There are so many things going on in the world of UX today that are contrary to what we are trying to do. And that said, there are so many things that we could consider. There are so many things that, that might come to mind. But I'm here to tell you today, in answering this question, yes, I do have an answer. And it's not just a brainstorm. This thing I'm about to mention, this does need to happen. And I do believe this is the one biggest issue, the one thing that needs to change in everything that's going on in UX, from our methods and methodologies, educational issues, hiring issues, the the rise of UI and then the rise of the UX developer, so called, and and then and then product is there, there, there's so much going on. There's so many things going on from so many different angles. But the one thing, if this one thing changed, if we could fix this one thing, it would have. Oh my goodness. I mean, it would have. Ooh, it. it I, I can't even think of a word to describe. All I can say is astronomical. Absolutely astronomical effect on the entire discipline of UX. If we could simply, <laughs> just simply, have organizations. To give a hoot, to really pay attention to, to have people in place, to manage, to look out for UX maturity levels. That is, folks, the one biggest issue. If we could change that today in UX, where companies cared where they had a person who would be keep their finger on the pulse of of UX maturity levels within the organization, do you realize that everything would change? Let me tell you why I say that today. This lack of UX maturity in organizations, number one, and, and these are not in order, I'm just throwing these out there. If organizations would pay attention to and care about their UX maturity levels, do you realize that hiring would be impacted? Hiring is one of the biggest problems in UX today. Hiring managers don't know how to evaluate UX candidates. They don't know who to hire. They don't know who to put in charge. Do you realize that it is, we have an epidemic in UX today where people with zero UX acumen all they've done is read a few articles, and God help you if it was medium articles. All they've done is is maybe I've seen people who run to a boot camp, come back, and then they have an S on their chest, and they want well, to be a UX on their chest, and they think that they can do something, and and uh, no, no. All that did was give you a few perspectives and they really aren't that thorough and they surely don't have any depth, not in six months. We have people out here who have been working in UX for decades, for over two decades. People who have been working on the front lines, who have been immersing themselves with various aspects, various techniques, methods, methodologies who have worked at multiple organizations, who have extremely broad points of reference and perspectives. When it comes to the discipline, and they can't get leadership roles in UX in organizations. I just heard a story recently, and I think it fits here, so I'm going to interject it. There's a person that I know who was being screened for a UX director position at an organization this person is extremely well-versed in ux this person's knowledge level is off the charts this person's emotional intelligence is off the charts this person is any organization who had this person would be so fortunate and so privileged, and this person could take that organization's UX operation light years beyond where they are now. They chose not to move forward with that individual as a candidate. Was it because they had a lack of knowledge? No. Was it because they had a lack of experience? No. And I, I've experienced this before myself. Oh, you know, you you just you've got a lot of great experience, but you just haven't had any any experience leading people. You, you you've got a little bit of experience leading people, but you don't have enough. So you and, and I'm going to interject and, and show you they didn't actually say this verbally, but I'm going to I'm going to make a little be a little facetious and try to help you to understand what they actually did. I'm gonna speak for them and take what they actually did, put it in verbal form, just so we can all digest it. How about that? You know, you 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 have great experience and you're really, really good when it comes to UX. Uh, but you, you don't have, you haven't had uh, people direct, enough direct reports. So, uh, so we're just going to go ahead instead. We're, we're going to hire a person that the only thing they know about UX is that there are two letters in an alphabet, but they have led people before. So even though they don't have any idea what they're going to do, and even though we're going to lose millions by putting this unproven person in this position, we just feel this is the thing to do. So many organizations are drowning in lunacy, absolute lunacy, when it comes to hiring. You can't keep putting people who don't know anything about UX into UX leadership roles. There are times where I have seen it work. The best boss I have ever had in my career was not a UX person. However, this person understood UX and they knew to let me get my work and then to get out of my way and let me go and 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 bring the world, give these people the world. That's what I set out to do. That's what I did when I was in that position, and to a great extent, it was because that individual knew enough about UX to get out of my way, and I was a manager at that organization. But these, oh my God, there are companies do you realize there's something called to uh, give a credit here to uh, my buddy the person in charge of the professors at Kent State University who coined a phrase and I use it but I got it from him UX backsliding we know of, of an organization where someone they were like I I called it UX Heaven it was if you were in UX that was the place to be. The the organization was bought into UX. They had a really high UX maturity level. They made sure to deliver optimal user experiences across the board. You would hear people everywhere talk about how much they loved engaging with this organization. And then one day, the person in charge of the UX operation left, and a few of the other people ended up leaving. And this company, they ended up, to show you, once you achieve UX maturity, proper UX maturity level, don't take for granted that you're going to keep it. This company, this institution, ended up to solve their woes as they were having an attrition issue. They put an architect, not an information architect, not an experienced design architect, an architect, a building architect. They put an architect over their UX team and not only did the team begin to suffer and the organization been to suffer, uh, begin to suffer, customers began to suffer. I don't want to tell you who it is, but this is a really, really high profile company. And the user experience went down the tubes. Why? You put somebody in charge that doesn't know anything about UX, companies Everywhere are doing this, putting people who don't know anything about UX in charge of UX operations. That is that is is a, a corporate suicide. When you consider for every dollar you invest in UX, you can get up to two hundred and fifty dollars in return and you can have impact positively impact your KPIs by up to 450% and you put somebody in charge of UX that doesn't know anything, and has no potential to bring forth those kinds of numbers. That's why if the UX maturity level is where it should be, where it needs to be, it will impact hiring. It will not sanction the hiring of unskilled and unqualified people whether it's a director position, a manager position, a senior position, a lead position, any of those things. Every time that happens, that is an indication that the UX maturity level is non-existent or it barely has a pulse. You wouldn't hire anybody that didn't know anything about project management to run your project management group. You wouldn't hire anybody that didn't know anything about quality assurance to to lead your QA group. You wouldn't hire anybody that didn't know anything about development and coding to be over your your programmers and your, your software engineers. But when it comes to UX, these companies are putting folks in charge of UX who know nothing. It shouldn't even take an ounce of sense to realize that that's really the wrong way to go. But it's happening. So if we could change, if, if we could, if there was wave a magic wand the old magic wand question from some of our ux research you could wave a magic wand and do one thing what would it be i would wave it and i would make every company mature i would i would i would i would wave a magic wand and they would have to drive and be committed to having a proper ux maturity level because it affects things across the board. People would not be able to fake their way into UX roles. This is also happening on a global scale. When, when the Figma and Sketch and all of these visual design tools began masquerading, nothing against the tools. They're good for visual design. They're great. You can do stuff really quick with them. But those aren't prototyping tools. They're visual design tools. Unless you have iRise, which from what I understand is gone now, iRise, UXPen, and Axure, you don't have a full prototyping tool. It cannot duplicate real experiences thoroughly and accurately. Only those tools could or can. The other ones cannot. So when all those tools came into play, Then the UI people started going after the UX positions, claiming that they had done UX work. The people who don't have a maturity level don't understand anything about UX, so they don't know that this person is faking their way into a position, and they get hired uh, in droves all over the world. If you had a proper UX maturity level, that couldn't happen. More skilled people would be hired to run the departments if you had sound UX maturity levels. There would be executive champions for UX in every organization. They wouldn't just be doing lip service; they would actually be supporting UX operations. This making sense? I think it is. The value of UX would be understood and embraced. Instead of people, I actually had a situation once where we were trying to to get the company to to sign a contract and help us to get a uh, bring-in remote usability testing software package, and one guy said, you know, I don't know why you guys need this. I've been designing for the last 10 years, and I've never used anything like this. Yeah, yeah, it's goofy, isn't it? Oh, you haven't heard anything yet. You know what the person had been designing for those 10 years? Number one, he hadn't really been designing anything. Number two... You know what he was working on? Because I really can't even say he was designing anything. Mainframe software solutions. If you really call it, you want to call that software? Let's just say mainframe solutions. Have you ever seen an aesthetically pleasing mainframe solution? I don't think so. Have you ever seen one that maybe they could have benefited from some remote usability testing, but could you have even done it? No, you couldn't. But see, when you have people in leadership that don't value and don't respect what user experience is bringing to the table, these are the kinds of responses that you get. That's one of the most asinine things I've heard my entire career. A mainframe designer said that they didn't use a user testing or a user zoom, so why do we need it? This uh, absolutely... Amazing. Senior UXers would not be displaced like they are today. We wouldn't be cast offs. People wouldn't be trying to replace us with product folks. Instead, they would realize, you know, we need to have one or two seniors that will help our organization thrive when it comes to UX. Instead, we're trying to get these positions everywhere. Me and other people have over the years. And it just doesn't work because folks don't understand Ample UXers would be able to uh, be in a place to help drive and manage work as well as the seniors, as well as mentoring up and comers. This is one of the problems why so many people are struggling. I've seen people who have been in UX five, six and seven years that are still the things that are coming out of their mouth and the things that they have an appetite for are actually it's reflective of somebody who who's been doing UX for six months. And I've seen this and I just, I shudder. I'm going, you you gotta be kidding me. That person just said, what? And if I went back and look at their organization, I can pretty much guarantee you, there's no mentors there. Nobody to say, this is how you get better at that. This is what you can do. Here's some great resources for you. Some trustworthy resources for you to tap into. Those are the type of things that senior you, real Not the people that just have senior in their title. A lot of the people who have senior in their title are not really seniors. A lot of the people who have lead in their title are not really leads. I've seen people, and I I joke about it like this. They went from being a hot dog vendor to being a lead UXer. May as well have been because they weren't doing UX a week before they got that lead UX job. So that person is not really a lead. They just have the title. And there's a lot of people out there that have that same testimony though they won't give you the testimony. It's embarrassing to them when they get called out about it. I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of seniors in UX and, and, and lead UX folks that are not, they aren't anywhere near as being that. but they love the title. They love the raise that came with the title. And they love the prestige that comes when they go somewhere and say, I'm the lead UX designer at so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And so and so and they are (laughs) nothing. They're nothing. It's, It's so sad. And they're hurting the discipline because they're causing the discipline to be devalued. Now, are we telling you to quit your job? No. If you got that job, you got that title, okay, you got it. It is what it is. But how about you up your game a bit? How about you start learning what's really going on? Because you don't just just owe it to your team, your company, and the users of your products and services. You owe it to the discipline to ethically represent who you are in the world of UX. And if we see you, maybe we tell you in private, but it's time for all those folks to come clean. And, And they are everywhere. The people who will say, hey, you know what? I'm here to teach you about UX. Oh, you know what? Just uh, Let's just have a little session. How about we have a whiteboarding session? And, you know, we'll just come up with a bunch of ideas, and we'll just guess, and we'll just roll it out, and, oh, that's fine, but we can tell people that we rolled it off, and we can roll it out, and we can put it in our portfolios. It's garbage. Real UX people don't guess. We do our best at coming up with the best possible solution. Do we iterate? Yes but we don't guess if you're guessing, that means you know nothing about heuristics because heuristics would have given you some guidelines. So when somebody is caught, they call themselves teaching you about UX and they tell you that, yo, know, you may as well just guess about it. You are talking to a person who is faking their way. That's one of those fake it till you make it folks. And we're not having any of that today. No, that time's out. That that's it. All that stuff is done. People would not be able to commandeer UX operations. I love something that Don Nor, I'm sorry, Alan Cooper said in that session recently. He said that when you're working, when you're doing UX work, and I'm paraphrasing, when when you're doing UX work and you're trying to advocate for your users and you're trying to put together a solution that works for the users as well as for the business. And all of a sudden you get some uh, stakeholder that comes in there and starts throwing their weight around and starts reprioritizing what, what you're going after in your work. Your number one job is no longer to simply look out for the users. Your number one job now is to push back and to offset the efforts of that biased stakeholder. But you know what? If the UX maturity level is not where it should be, you won't. When the UX maturity level is not where it should be, the UX people in-house are all order takers. They don't push back when it comes to anything. And that violates the ethics of this discipline. Here's the one that might be a shock for some. UX I think of UX positions as being like dog years. What am I getting at? UX positions have short shelf lives. UX people don't normally go somewhere and stay for a long time. Usually because of the bad UX maturity levels. Truth be told. And things become overly toxic and they just want to move on. So it happens a lot. If you stay somewhere a year or two years, that's the equivalent of being at another organization eight to 10 years. Now, don't give yourself a bunch of seniority about that. We're just talking about just that factor. And if you weren't leaving for that reason, then what I'm saying doesn't apply to you. But if the UX maturity level was where it should be, we could easily go somewhere and stay five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years because everything is flowing the way that it should flow. As we begin to wrap up here in this extended edition today, Vitamin T once conducted research where they said that 97% of, 97% of websites actually fail when it comes to UX. 97%. And this was done approximately five years ago. What do you think it is now with this massive influx of of people who are faking their way into positions, UX leads that that really don't know anything about UX nor do they know how to lead UX or to lead UX people. They just get their check and they're happy about it and you know, they've got their, their pride associated with that grand title. They don't really care about the work. This is in, happening at a much higher percentile That it did when vitamin T did the research. So what do you think it is today? I mean, it's got to be 98, 99% easily because of how things have shifted because it didn't used to be like that. If UX maturity issues were resolved, this number would be dramatically lower. Matter of fact, I'm talking about cutting it in half, minimally cutting it in half. We take a stand, people usually blow us off. We take a stand, people decide to get rid of the UX team. We take a stand, and then the developers decide to commandeer the designs. So, then I could t- tell you some stories about that. So, UX maturity levels, you can see all of these things would be impacted. And I can't forget my last one here. If UX maturity levels were in order, users would. Win, period. Users would win. Instead, users are the sacrificial lambs. Something else that Alan Cooper talked about. If you get a chance to see that that video, oh my God, well, what a fantastic presentation. The users are the main people and the businesses, but the users are losing because people don't care about the, the users anymore. They don't care. And if you care, then they don't care about you. And a lot of people are succeeding in UX today because they are willing to sacrifice users. Folks, the UX maturity level needs to get better. And if it it did get better, if you're at an organization where they believe in the UX maturity level and managing it, then... Fantastic! You are in a great place. I saw an article a week ago where somebody said that all that UX maturity level, the stuff is is a balderdash. That you know, we can throw it out; it means nothing. And the person that said that had about five seconds of UX experience. That needs to stop too. If the UX maturity levels were where they needed to be, people wouldn't be out here spouting off and just talking because they can and saying all these worthless and 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 terribly destructive things so UX material level critical stuff folks critical stuff so at any rate I hope you enjoyed this extended version today because this was the most complex of the questions and there's a lot to say and and so an extended version of the podcast today but we hope you got a lot out of it I hope I have encouraged you to to start becoming educated about UX maturity levels and start devising strategies to help make your UX maturity level better in your organization. I do, however, recommend make sure you have an executive champion before you start doing it because you can't do it alone. Sound pretty good? All right, folks, that's it. That's all the time we have for today. So this is your host, Darren Hood of the world of UX, signing off.